1: Good morning, everybody. I am Dee mersin at the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble, but sometimes our friends put stupid stuff in their pet's mouth. <laughs> Dr. Jacek, what in the world? I mean, you and I see some crazy, crazy stuff going on out there. I'm just going to say this right now. Not everything you read on the internet is true, Okay about giving stuff to your dogs. We see some crazy
0: stuff. Do you not see some crazy stuff, Dr. Jay-Z? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All <laughs> the time. You know, like we were just talking about the vitamin A toxicity diet, you know, where vitamin A is bad. There's some research out there, evidently, uh, nothing I've seen that says that you know, vitamin A is bad. And I think if there is any actual research out there, it's probably comes down to synthetics and synthetic vitamin A or some chemical derivative that has been shown to be toxic. Well, yeah, it probably is. But eliminating, you know, seeing information like this and then extrapolating that to eliminating all foods with vitamin A, when you start to micromanage nutrients like that, you're you're gonna do you know you're gonna do your dog a whole whole world of harm because you're gonna be taking out so many things that are that are healthy for the dog. You just focus on one thing, and it's like you know you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah, and
1: that that is the thing, and I do see this a lot. They've got their spreadsheets, and they're looking at the vitamin A, and they're looking at the vitamin and they're looking at all of these different things. And my question is, if you're feeding a species-appropriate diet, which is what? It is a meat-based diet. I don't care if it says raw wrapped kibble. Ain't no such thing. Right. Okay. We're talking about a meat-based diet, meat, bone, organ, fat. You're doing a lot of variety. Unless your dog is showing issues, uh, I don't even know why you would worry about that right? Why, why do we worry about vitamin A? Did you see some sort of sign or symptom? And do you know if that was actually what the issue was, right? So we can go down these rabbit holes and it's just A plus B
0: doesn't always equal C. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it or don't try to fix something that, or add, add things. You know, I, I think, I think that happens people get on online and they read about some supplement and how great it's supposed to be for their dog. So they add it in and it's like, you were just saying, but if nothing's wrong, why are you changing things? Like, look at your dog. If your dog is healthy and doing great on a species appropriate minimal ingredient diet, then keep doing that. (laughs) Like that's the good, that's, that's the right thing to do. You keep adding more and more stuff in and giving the body more and more stuff to process, you're probably going to do more harm than good in the long run.
1: Well, I always say, look, it's really in the raw diet. It's a tweak. It really is just a tweak. So let me give you Mm -hmm. a, for instance, um, we preach variety, variety, variety. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I had someone who was feeding one blend and it was higher in the fat and they were feeding this blend for a year the dog begins to vomit. So instead of realizing, as I have said over and over again, you can't feed a high fat 24 seven. The response was there's something wrong with this beef. I said, there's not something wrong with the beef. It is something wrong with the method in which you are feeding. Right. right. Stop it. And if the dog is vomiting on that now, then stop feeding that one. Okay. Because we will see dogs if they're fed a high fat blend, okay, 15 to 20% constantly, they're probably going to vomit. I don't see anything wrong with these higher fat blends. you got to put some weight on the dog. Every third meal, every fourth meal, let's see what we can do, especially if a dog is already up to um, a certain amount of food that's over. Let's say if the dog is is 100 pounds, okay, and you're going to feed the dog two and a half pounds a day at 2.5%, and you're already feeding the dog four pounds a day, we probably got an absorption issue going on if this dog cannot gain weight, right? So I don't want to feed him any more food. We're going to change the balance of the fat in which product we're going to feed. But I do see some pet parents that try to, well, I don't have the money to actually feed the dog how much they're supposed to eat. So I'm going to feed him a high flat hat high-fat blend. You can't do that, guys. You can't do that all the time. Um, and the dogs will tell you if something's going on, right? But this is what we're talking about, variety, variety, variety. And and I know that people like to get in their routines, but just because a dog is vomiting, because you're feeding a high-fat blend does not mean there's something wrong with the food, right? right? Okay. This is where we get really, really tunnel vision, so we just got to got to switch it up the other thing too um dr jace are just these if if we hear itching and allergy um once a day we hear it a thousand times a day yeah,
0: totally.
1: and and i think that people just um it's it's like we we are just absolutely fixated on allergies and your dogs my dogs neely's dogs our kids dogs you really don't have these allergy issues. Now, I think that there's probably a theme that runs between all of us and that is we don't do the standard um antibiotics, flea and tick, heartworm, you know, yearly vaccination type protocol, which as you are a big researcher of the gut microbiome, this is absolutely going to destroy that gut microbiome. And then we're probably going to have some itchy dogs. But I think right now in this cold weather, it is so dry. I mean, do you wake up and like your nose is just, you know, bloody? I do every day. It's so dry. My skin is dry. These dog skin is dry too. All mm-hmm. right. So that's one issue that this time of year, we've got itchy dogs, but you, you guys, it is a gut Issue. Dr. Jasic, what are you finding out about the gut microbiome that you think you could help our pet parents make that connection between the gut and the skin
0: being itchy? Well, so first of all, I think it's important to realize that the the gut, the intestinal lining is the is is the outside of the body, just as the skin because it's exposed. To the environment. So if you think about, you know, you've got the skin, and then you the skin goes up to the dog's mouth, and then you have the esophagus and this long tube that's the digestive tract. It's all exposed to the outside. It's all pretty much the same organ. So if you have, I mean, different function, obviously, but it has the same exposures. So if you have itchy skin, you're gonna have an inflamed gut. And that's where we have to start to get, to get the animal to heal. And I think, you know, one of the kind of big mistakes as far as nomenclature goes is that when dogs itch, they have allergies. And so then people go down the the rabbit hole of, okay, well, we're treating allergies. So we try Benadryl and we do allergy testing, which like we were talking about usually gets people nowhere because it comes back that the dog is sensitive to everything in its environment. Why is that? It's because the gut is leaky. And so everything that's going into that gut those, there's molecules that are being absorbed into the bloodstream um, before they're properly broken down. So they're not, not digesting their food and they're absorbing these bigger molecules and the immune system is reacting to that. So it's not that they're allergic to particular proteins, is that these proteins are being absorbed in a form that they're not meant to be absorbed in and the body sees them as foreign. And so it reacts. Now, creating a healthy microbiome helps this, the bacteria, when you have the right populations of healthy bacteria um, in the the gut, these bacteria actually make substances. They make, um, um, there's like essential, like um, fatty acids that that actually help heal the gut. So when you don't have the right populations, it's hard to, to heal the gut. So working on feeding the right microbiome, and this is where I think you know, diet is really important Is I think it's more important to focus on actually feeding the bacteria that we want to grow rather than just putting more in there in the form of probiotics, which can help. I mean, there's a lot, there's varied responses. So we can try probiotics, but if we're not feeding the bacteria that we need to grow appropriately, they're still not going to grow. It doesn't matter how many of them that, that you put in there. But I think the biggest challenge when it comes to the microbiome is every single pet is different. It's just like every single pet looks different. Like you're not going to see, you could look at 20 German shepherds and they're all going to have slightly different characteristics. Well, that same genetic variation is what's going on in the microbiome, and that's why this stuff is so stinking hard to figure out sometimes, because it's going to be different for every dog. One dog, you could maybe put them on a probiotic, and they do great. Another dog might not make any difference. Another dog might make them worse, because the the bacteria that they need in their gut is different. And then every pet has had a different variety of insults to the gut, and they've all had insults to gut. I mean, almost all pets have been on some medication, um, whether it's antibiotics or, you know, anti-inflammatories, you know, they've had, you know, most pets have been spayed or neutered. They've gone through that procedure. So they've had medications that have impacted the, the gut microbiome and, and I still see, and this just drives me crazy, DDI people, you know, we're here in Colorado, it's the middle of the winter and they, people will come in and say, do I really need to be giving heartworm prevention year round? Like, no, you don't. (laughs) But so many people are being told that and flea and tick here in Colorado. Like it's, it's really not even necessary. And we're giving insecticides. We're putting insecticides in the dog's body. You think that's not having a major impact on the microbiome, it, it absolutely is. And so we need these things, but these things often get overlooked As I think where I'm going with that is people like, well, we'll go spend all the money on the allergy testing, but they're giving the dog flea and tick medication or heartworm prevention, or the dog's on antibiotics or it's itching. So it's on Apoquil or some other conventional medications. You're continually, continually, continually beating up that microbiome and you're not, you're not going to win that allergy test at that point is a complete waste of money. We have to come off of the pharmaceuticals unless something's just medically necessary. Everything that your dog eats is having an impact on the microbiome. I'm working with a dog right now that it's out of state. um, And uh, this dog has recurrent bladder stones and I do not know why this dog keeps getting bladder stones. It's just a mystery. It's like, okay, we need to stop everything. I mean, except for a really basic diet, we're gonna pull out all the supplements because something is throwing this dog's biology off. And it doesn't doesn't mean that those products are bad. It just means they may not be appropriate for that individual. And it's right. it's hard to to it's hard to pick this stuff. Apart, it, it's really and it takes time. You know, if you're looking for a quick fix, you're going to end up with suppressive medicine like you know prednisone or Apoquil or something like that. It takes a lot of time to pick this apart, and and then you know environmental exposures, the whole glyphosate thing. Glyphosate, you know, totally you know uh, wipes out the microbiome. So you're walking your dog, you know, in the summertime, places that are sprayed, you're going to be throwing off that microbiome. So this is why skin, skin issues are just, are just so darn tough. Cause every case is, is individual. There's no one size fits all and it, it takes time to sort it all out. Yeah. And if I, and you do the same thing, we're talking to people
1: about what all are you putting in your dog's body? And many, many, <laughs> many of the foods that they're putting in the dog's body outside of a raw diet, or maybe they're trying to come over to the raw diet. um, Some that are even promoted by quote unquote, you know, celebrity vets, Mm -hmm. they have a a lot of ingredients in there, a lot of ingredients. And um, it sounds really good. But when you start looking at it, I'm like, what would you know? Would you know whether the vitamin E supplement or the iron protonate or the manganese protonate, which by the way, these are all synthetics, right? Protonate, when you look at that, zinc protonate. Um, in this one food, Dr. jacek slippery elm, dandelion, milk thistle, all of these different supplements, kelp, alfalfa, spirulina, turmeric. <laughs> I mean, this is in one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one bag. And this is stuff that I see a lot of people feeding. And I'm just like, how do you know which one of those things is is possibly causing issues? And if you really look at a lot of these products out there, and we've said this before, the ingredient list is very hard to find. They put mm-hmm. all the pretty pictures and, and all of the stuff up there. And it just irritates the fire out of me because I'm like, okay, you're questioning a species appropriate diet. That is just these four ingredients versus something that has at least 25. I don't see very many
0: that have less than 25 ingredients in there. Right. And they are hard to find. That drives me crazy too, because I'll be seeing a client and I'll try to look up the ingredients so I can speak to exactly what they're giving their pet. And I have to dig through layers and layers and layers on the website. You know, they'll have nutritional information and they'll tell you a little bit more and, and, you know, they'll say ingredients and then they'll have these general statements and, you know, to actually get to the ingredient list. It's hard, and to me, that that in and of itself is a red flag. If they are hiding them, you know, several layers deep in their um, in their website, they're hiding something. There's things there that they don't want you to find easily. So that's a huge red flag for me. Yeah, and I
1: don't think that people realize that treats matter. And when you look at most treats, unless they are single source, most treats are processed foods. Those are sugar and refined starches. And if you look at the gut microbiome, those are quickly absorbed. The microbes, okay, they digest these. They digest these sugar and refined starches. And then they start looking for alternate food sources, okay? And this is coming from an article in Dogs Naturally. And in the article, it says this. It says, the microbiome can start to eat away at the cells that line your dog's intestines, which is what you're talking about, leaky gut. And then and, and so this is what happened. This causes chronic inflammation. And this often shows up as allergy symptoms, yeast, joint pain, and other ailments. So I don't think that people really understand why we say, don't put crappy treats, don't put processed foods in your dog's body. Okay. Also processed foods are sterile. Okay. They, they, the bacteria has been heated and processed out of them. And as the microbes living in your dog's gut die off, they need to be replaced in the diet. So if your food is deficient in bacteria, Mm -hmm. your dog's microbiome is going to become less populated. Crappy treats are everywhere. We, we drive through um, a local coffee shop here Little hut, right? Every time we drive through, and you think you remember us every single time. Can your dogs have a treat? No, they can't. They're raw fed. They don't get processed foods, and they look at you like you have two heads. But that's the truth. I'm not going to go through this, right, with my dogs. I have come too far, and they're too healthy, and I don't want to deal with that. You know, I hear it every day
0: uh, from folks. So this is really. Really important. You know, another great example of that, and I hear this a lot and people that are like you're saying, like understand the nutrition, they're doing a great job and they feed these greenies like, Oh gosh, just because something is molded into the shape of a toothbrush, that should be a clue right there that there's nothing natural <laughs> in it. Cause it's molded into the shape of a toothbrush. And there's lots of great marketing out there saying how this is the best way to, you know, clean your dog's teeth, they're, they're crap. They're all just the processed carbohydrates and chemicals and get a real toothbrush and brush your dog's freaking teeth. It takes you 60 seconds really to get a toothbrush in your dog's mouth. And you're not subjecting them to, you know, the, <clears throat> these, these unhealthy treats that are, are gonna, you know, it, They're just, they're negating so much of the benefit of feeding raw. So if you're going through the, you know, the effort of getting the raw and doing the rotation and, um, and then you're feeding these crappy treats, you're, you're negating that even though it's a small percentage of the diet, it only takes a little bit to disrupt the microbiome you know, back to the gut. It it doesn't matter if it's just a little biscuit at the bank or at the coffee shop or the, whatever Starbucks treats are for dogs. Now it doesn't take very much. It doesn't matter if it's just a couple times a week and it's just a small amount, it still has a negative impact. So don't, don't be going through all this effort with, you know, feeding, Feeding raw, well, and I guess sound that it's a ton of effort, but you're, you've taken the step to change your dog's diet. You're doing something besides just putting kibble in a bowl, and then you're you're negating so much of that benefit with these unhealthy treats. Just get healthy treats. There's healthy treats out there. Just get dried body parts, you know? <laughs> right?
1: Or just dehydrate them yourself. Um, yeah. The other thing that I think is really tough is unwinding unwinding traditional veterinary um, protocols. Do
0: hmm, you think? <sighs> that's
1: that is You've a noticed r-
0: that? I've not, not noticed that, Dee, Dee. It's a new concept to me. Please explain.
1: <laughs> Just like, what? And so that's when I send them to you. There's so many things that we have to unwind it. Uh, for instance, a pet parent uh, has been feeding raw for a long time. But anyway, this dog had an allergic uh, reaction. Yeast spilled up in the ears. They went to the vet, did an allergy panel, found out the dog was allergic to everything. So what did they do? They gave him an allergy booster shot and put him on hydrolyzed protein <laughs> food. We'll talk about the hydrolyzed protein a little bit. But
0: why would you give an allergy booster shot to that dog? I'm not sure what that was. I wonder if it was like a cytopoint or something like that. Um what, what they mean by an allergy booster shot, but um, you know, they're, they're trying to do something to suppress the symptoms, but there's, you know, if the dog, you know, tr- you know, so I don't know what the, I guess I don't know what the dog symptoms are. I'm guessing there was some skin stuff going on. Um, so they're trying to do something to help with that. But if, yeah, again, if all you're doing is addressing the symptoms and not the underlying cause of what the dog reacted to, you know, you're putting a band-aid on it and that dog's just going to end up getting sicker because that inflammation, it doesn't go away. Just because the symptoms go away, the, the condition does not go away. That dog is still inflamed. You're just not seeing it. And if you don't work towards getting, getting to the underlying cause, then you're, you're never really going to help the pet. They're going to be on suppressive medicine for the rest of their life. And they'll end up getting something like cancer or autoimmune disease because you're just, you're suppressing the normal function of the body. When you do that. Would beef in itself just cause a dog to start getting gunky, yeasty ears? I would say it's highly unlikely. Um, I, I, this is one where I'd be asking the questions about, like we were talking about the treats, what else is going on? Was the dog recently vaccinated? Are they giving heartworm or flea and tick preventatives? You know, what, what else are they giving the dog? And again, that is negatively impacting the microbiome. Now, another thing that, um, that we know about the microbiome And I think this is why we see dogs do so well when they're fed rotation, rather than just one protein, different food ingredients are going to feed different bacteria in the gut. So if you just feed one blend or one protein for extended periods of time, you could potentially throw off the microbiome. And that's why, you know, I've heard this, well, you know, you feed the same protein for long enough, they'll end up allergic. Well now thinking about it from the perspective of the microbiome, That makes sense. Not that, but it's not that they're allergic to the protein. And that's where the, I think the big misnomer comes in. It's that you're consistently feeding just certain populations of bacteria in the gut and you're not feeding the others. So beef is going to feed certain bacteria, pork might feed some different bacteria and Turkey might feed some different bacteria. So you're losing the diversity in the microbiome by just feeding one protein. And I think that's why we see this, that they, we get symptoms when they don't rotate different proteins. And I think that's why, and again, from a microbiome perspective, it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I do too. Now I do have a, um, a customer and I know this for a fact, this dog will only eat beef. He will only eat the beef blend 10% bone. He will eat, he will eat any of the beef. So beef and tripe beef blend, uh, pre model raw, uh, pre model plus and she has asked me, she said, what are we going to do about this dog? Because he literally, and, and I've been right there trying to get him to eat other things. I said, well, I think we're going to have to maybe do some supplementation in this arena you know what are you going to do? Go back to kibble? So I said, look, you're going to have to add some phytoplankton. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're going to have to add some green eggs. You know, it's got uh, the green lipid muscle uh, in the powder. I mean, maybe we're going to have to rotate some different things in there. So that's a very strange one to me. You know, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I'd be like, what in the world? Now I will say that this dog was on kibble for six years and and had diarrhea for six years. Right? Oh gosh, Poor yeah. Thing. Um. And the vet, you know, exhausted all their prescription diet and told the customer, if you go over to raw, this dog's just going to get worse. She was like three days on raw. My dog was perfect. Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. Uh, Which we hear all the time. But so that's a very, that's a very interesting situation. So I will have to wait and see if the dog's body will say, Hey, I got to have something different. Yeah. But as how of right long,
0: now, how long has the dog been on raw?
1: He's been on raw. I'm going to say about five months now.
0: Okay. So it's getting a little long. Cause I would say initially, cause I have seen this too, where, you know, people are first getting their dog on raw and they just, man, there's just some proteins they won't eat some proteins they will eat. And I, sometimes I, you know, I look at that like, well, maybe, yeah, the dog's body is figuring it out. And as long as they're eating raw, then let them eat the protein they want to eat for a while. Cause maybe that is what their body needs at that pro- point in time. Now we don't want to do it long-term. So what I'll usually say is, okay, just give the do- you know, we want the dog enjoying to eat. We don't want to be like the dog suspicious every time you put something in their bowl. Cause you're giving them something they don't like, or don't want. So feed the dog, what they'll eat, it's at least a raw diet, a good, healthy diet. Um, and then, you know, try after like a few weeks, add in just a little bit of another protein, maybe just a little bit, just, you know, to kind of get the body used to it. And so I'll sometimes, you know, take, take that approach. Cause I, you know, I do think to an extent dogs might, might be eating what their body needs at that point in time. Now we don't want the dog doing that for the rest of its life. So I agree with you. I would probably start to try to add some other things in just to get some of that, uh, diversity in, in the microbiome, but then maybe experimenting with adding in just a little bit of another protein, or maybe, you know, like with the dog eat some turkey organs or something like that. They may not eat a turkey blend, but maybe they'd eat, you know, some organs from a different protein and, you know, and kind of start experimenting that way. But yeah, yeah. I, I think it's not, I don't, I don't think it's good when you, and like I said, when you look at, these situations we see from the perspective of the microbiome, it just, it all comes together for me. Now figuring it out is really tricky, you know, because every individual is different, like we were saying. Um, But I I do think that's what's going on. And that is really unusual that a dog, and, and maybe, you know, again, maybe the dog just needs it introduced more slowly because, you know, if the dog was sick for years and all of a sudden it's feeling good, may just be like, wow, I eat this food and I feel good. Real
1: quick. I want to circle back around um, to hydrolyzed protein. And would you
0: recommend it? No, no, I would never. I think that's probably one of the worst prescription diets because everything's broken down. I think the philosophy is that if they take the protein and I think it's, it's not even a meat-based protein, it's like a soy protein or Mm -hmm. something and break it down into these really small molecules to make it so digestible that. The dog isn't going to flare up when they eat it, but you're you're depriving the dog of nutrition. This like these whole like you start pulling stuff out of the diet, like you know we were talking about that. Well, stopping the vitamin A, and you're pulling all these things out of the diet, and you end up depriving the dog of proper nutrition. And the I mean those. Hydrolyzed protein diets are the most processed, most synthetic. I, I don't think there's even any real food in them. You know, it's been so broken down and processed. You know, again with the theory that it's not going to um, aggravate the dog's symptoms, whatever whatever the symptoms have to be. But again, it's it's not addressing the underlying cause I can guarantee that diet is doing nothing to help heal the dog's gut and support the the healthy microbiome. So you're not addressing that. And maybe in the short term, you know, just because you're making a change, you might see some reduction in symptoms, but again, reducing symptoms does not mean that we're treating the underlying condition, which is, is going to come back to the gut. And it's a, you know, it's a fallback. You know, you were talking about, you know, frustration with the veterinary profession. It's a fallback because they don't know what else to do. And the thing is that veterinarians are following the advice of the pharmaceutical companies and the food companies, and they're not thinking for themselves and not looking at their patients logically and saying, okay, this is a carnivore. Does it make sense to feed them a hydrolyzed soy diet? How how can that be healthy? It'd be like, if you ate or, you know, you drink, you know, you make these like protein shakes and stuff. That's like all you ever had is all you were getting was this processed soy protein. Like you, you wouldn't be healthy. I mean, how, how healthy do you think your, you know, dogs be? that's why I see these patients back in for cancer or autoimmune disease or other issues. Cause they've been on these horrible diets that, uh, you know, are just designed to control symptoms. They're not even looking at what the underlying cause might be. And then, you know, unless it's raw feeding, then they know that that's the cause of all evils.
1: (laughs) I, I, I literally had a customer tell me that they were going to have to stop feeding raw because the vet, um, because their dog was, was sick and that, uh, it probably got salmonella from the raw food. I said, do you have any tests that your vet can send me? Hey, of there are no, of course benchmarks. There are no benchmarks. There are no strains indicated. If you are a raw feeder, you need to be dealing with a raw feeding vet. Okay. You need to be dealing with a holistic vet because you're going to go, you're going to be shunned. You're going to be told things that are not valid. You're going to be presented myths as truths. We see that today all over the place. But how does a vet treat a dog if they don't understand, first and foremost, that they are carnivores and number two, that they don't understand the microbiome and that the microbiome is being destroyed. And if you destroy the microbiome, your dog has no chance at great health. And if, and if we understand that every toxin that you put in a dog's body destroys the microbiome, processed foods, destroy the microbiome and prescription foods, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Jacek are processed foods.
0: Oh yeah. And there's nothing prescription about them. I mean, honestly, you know, if you look in the ingredients on your average prescription diet and compare it to like your bag of Prina you can buy at the grocery store, there's not much difference. So if you're gonna feed something like that, well, you know, not that I recommend that, but save, save your money and go to the grocery store because there's no point in paying a lot of money for a, a food that's so nutritionally inferior and, you know, downright toxic. And that's the thing that just baffles me too, is people pick apart the raw foods and how dangerous they could be because there's bacteria in them. And people don't seem to question where the ingredients of, of the kibble is sourced, you know, ask your veterinarian that when they want to prescribe a um, a prescription diet, where's this food coming from? Does this food have glyphosate in it? You know, where did these animals come from? Were they healthy when they were processed? You know, I, I bet nobody even knows the answer to that. I bet they, the companies wouldn't even tell you, but compared to a raw diet with, you know, five or six ingredients and you know, the sourcing like, hello, like to me, it's a no brainer that that's a way better way to feed, but people don't question the kibble. It's, it's I, and I don't know why, I, I don't know why. Cause you, like you said, you look at it and there's like 30 ingredients. I would want to know where that stuff's coming from before I put it in my dog. Well, let me, it,
1: let me just read you the ingredients, and and there's so many that I'm just going to read you a few. In this diet, and you tell me whether you think this is good for a dog, pea starch, hydrolyzed chicken liver, hydrolyzed soy protein, vegetable oil, powdered cellulose, natural flavors. Um, Then we go to fish oil, carrageenan, and those are just a few. What do you think about those Ingredients, Doctor Jasek.
0: Well, it's—I mean, it's all. I'm laughing because it's like it's—it's all processed. And you know, when you start to process natural ingredients, not only are you destroying the nutrition, you're actually can make them toxic, especially those oils. I mean, we know it's a known fact. Fish oil is not stable. I don't actually recommend it. I may recommend feeding whole fish. Because you're getting the oils and all the benefits in a whole uh, whole food form, along with a whole bunch of other nutrients. We know fish oil isn't stable and it can go rancid really quickly. So you put it in a food that's processed at these high temperatures. Most oils, including like vegetable oils, they're not stable at high temperatures. So you process them. So not only are you destroying any nutritional value, but you are you can actually be making the food toxic for, for your pet. So not only you're not, not not only are you giving them a food that's not, um, you know, not nutritionally complete, it's literally could be toxic, literally poisoning your pet. Well, we've already talked about in,
1: in last week's podcast about carrageenan, right? A thickener.
0: Yeah. and that
1: is cancer causing. Well, this yeah. is Royal Canin's veterinarian diet, it's the hydrolyzed protein canned dog food. Okay? This is a prescription Royal Canin veterinarian diet hydrolyzed protein. If it was me and I was standing in there, I'd be I'd be listing off these ingredients and asking that vet, "What tell me how this natural flavors, carrageenan, hydrolyzed uh, soy protein and vegetable oil, powdered cellulose can be good for my dog. Tell me why that is good. And then the list of synthetic vitamins and minerals is a mile long.
0: Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And, and here's the other thing too. If you see something like natural flavors, like if a dog is eating what a dog is meant to eat, you don't have to flavor it, they'll eat it. The reason they put flavors in is because- it's all synthetic and processed crap that your dog would never touch if they didn't put the, we call it the secret sauce on it. They literally spray flavoring on these, these foods to get the dog to eat them. If they didn't do that, probably no dog in the world would even touch them. There's other fad diets out there that drive me crazy. Like there's a couple of ketogenic kibbles out there. Well, that's impossible. You can't make a kibble and then have it you know, be, be ketogenic because it's going to have carbs in it. But the, what people would pay for this stuff is it's ridiculous. Why not just feed a raw diet? You know, it's so much better and less expensive. And when I look at what people are doing, because I hear that all the time, well, I can't afford raw. Well, guess what? You don't need to be giving the heartworm every month or the flea and tick, and you don't need to be doing these five or six supplements. If you put all of those resources towards the raw food is probably going to save you money. I
1: talked to someone the other day who sells things into the veterinary world. And they were telling me about a vet who is, is just so on, you know, their own dog is on a, a vegetarian diet.
0: Oh, I geez.
1: I said, seriously, a vegetarian diet. I said, did you see the dog? Because I'd really like to see the dog. One thing that we see over and over again, dogs that are on a kibble processed food their body composition is not good. It's sort of like um, us eating donuts every day, right? We don't have that good muscle tone. When we see dogs move over to the raw diet, their fat content goes down and their muscle tone goes up, right? They're eating real protein. They're pulling all the amino acids out of there and using those building blocks. I would really love to see the body composition of a dog that eats a vegetarian diet. And I would like to know, does that dog get up and jump for his food? Does he like say, oh my God, I can't wait to have another greenie mishmash today? I doubt it. Do you get vegetarian
0: fed animals in your clinic? Well, we tell people up front that we don't support that. If they come in and they're not willing to change, then we we don't work with them you know, I just, that's, it's just not appropriate nutrition. And if people come into me because they want their pet to be healthy. I can't, I can't create a healthy pet that a dog that's eating a vegetarian diet. And, and, you know, they may, cause people will say, I've, I've heard this, well, he looks fine. He acts fine. Well, there's a difference between surviving and thriving. And I want to see my patients thriving. And I, you know, It's really interesting. I hear this. People transition their dogs to the raw and they're like, oh my God, like I, I open up the container and the dog just starts going nuts. Like, yeah, because they love the food. They should, dogs should want to eat like that. They didn't want to eat before because they, they didn't like their food and their food. They didn't feel good after they ate their dry kibble diet, but then they got hungry enough. That's all it was around. So they didn't have a choice. So eventually they'd eat it. Yeah, of course they love raw food because that's, that's what they're, that's what they're meant to be eating. And, and I think people just sometimes push their own ideals on their dogs, like going back to the vegetarianism and, you know, I respect anybody's lifestyle choice, but you can't feed your dog a vegetarian diet and expect them to be healthy. I, I had a, someone
1: uh, email me the other day and they have six dogs, six little dogs. And they said, you got to help me. My dogs love the raw food so much that they're bugging me to eat all the time. And I think they're just starving. I said, well, they're probably not starving. You know, my Germans do the same thing, but um, look at their body. Well, first of all, let's look at the feeding chart. Are we in the range, right? Because these are starting. Mm-hmm. Points. Are we in the range? Yes. Uh, how does their body composition look? Are their hip bones or rib bones? Are they, are they showing? No, well, they're probably not starving. They just want the food and I get it. My dog would, you know, bug me all the time, but they've got you trained because that's what dogs do. They train you to give them what they want. So don't worry about them starving to death. They're not going to be starving to death. Are you even fasting? No. Okay. They're not starving to death. (laughs) They're eating every day. Right. Right. And they're eating the appropriate amount. So I can't really help you there.
0: And I think people, you know, especially because a lot of people are working from home now, you know, they give into that and they, and they will, they'll feed their dog four or five times a day. Like if you just get that dog used to eating one or two meals a day, and that's all they get, they'll get used to that. If they think they can convince you to give them, you know, those extra meals, well, of course they'll keep doing it because they like the food and they want to eat. And another thing is, are you doing something else with your dog? Like dogs need enrichment in their environment. They need activity. You need to to get them out, get them involved in in activities. What do they like to do? You know, they could just be bored. They got nothing else to do. So, oh, well, let's see if we can, you know, talk my pet parent into another meal.
1: If you have a situation in which you're on a lot of meds, you're on a prescription diet and your dog is not doing well, and we are telling you here that eventually they will not be doing well if you continue down that path. You need somebody to unwind that, and you're willing to have that unwound, you want that dog to be around for a lot longer, then I would highly, highly recommend that you go over to Dr. Jasek, J-A-S-E-K. Go over to Dr. Jasek's website, fill out a form, get On her schedule, you can do a phone consultation. You can do a Zoom consultation. You can go in and see her personally. And guess what? You don't have to leave your dog at the curb. You get to go in with your dog. That's right. Absolutely. Right. And um, nothing hidden. She's not going to sneak something in on your dog that she hasn't asked your permission for. And we see that happening a lot. Go over to ahavet.com. That is where you can find tests. And Dr. Jasic, and between the two of you, you've got damn near seventy years of raw feeding uh, expertise there, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have lots of, lots of expertise, seen a lot of dogs. They can help you out. You want to start your dog on a species-appropriate diet? We ship anywhere UPS delivers. Yes, we do. We ship the raw right here at Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you guys next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh snap.
0: oh, snap.
1: Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business.
0: Just snap.